Spirit, come. Open our hearts and minds to your word. Empower us in these difficult times to do your work. Make us strong and resilient so that we may seek justice together despite our differences. God, our nation is deeply divided. We are inundated with disinformation that draws battle lines and paints our opponents as extremists. We cannot tolerate dissent and we shame and ostracize those we disagree with. We are confused and misguided by propagandists who manipulate groups of people by race, religion, and ideology. May we learn to truly listen to others, to see the truth in what they say, while remaining critical of the information we consume. Dissenting voices are needed. They are the prophets of our time. May we listen with our ears and see with our eyes, knowing that not everything we think and believe is true. Amen. Welcome to Bible Study for Progressives, a show where moderates, liberals, and leftists of all faiths and ideologies come together to discuss scripture, spirituality, and politics. We engage scripture in its historical context, plumb its depths for wisdom and guidance, and apply its lessons to current events and social issues. Whether you're a liberal evangelical, a New Age spiritualist, a social justice activist, or a postmodern theologian, there's something in this show for you. Come, be energized in spirit and mind to understand the word and what it means to be a spiritual person in today's world. Represent us, along with the Truth and Democracy Coalition, bring you the Democracy Can't Wait press conference and town hall to discuss voting rights. Whittier City Council member and candidate for California State Senate, Henry Bouchot, will speak about voting rights and elections at Whittier City Hall on Saturday, August 7th at 10 a.m. Our Democracy Can't Wait press conference and town hall will focus on both local and national voting rights concerns and actions. Also speaking will be the leader of the Truth and Democracy Coalition and longtime Whittier resident, Richard Proceda. He is an author and attorney who writes about law, religion, and politics and produces the podcast Bible Study for Progressives. He has been covering this current threat to democracy since the Miller Report came out. Whittier residents recently won a lawsuit requiring district elections. Councilmember Bouchot has criticized the timing 
of Whittier's elections and alleges it is designed to depress voter turnout. Rich Procida has led movements in Los Angeles and Orange counties and has written about the threat to democracy in America and the collapse of democracy around the globe. This press conference and town hall will focus on what we must do to save democracy. We demand that the United States Senate pass the For the People Act, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, the Washington, D.C. Admission Act, and to remove the filibuster in order to defend our democracy from foreign and domestic attack. The American experiment in democracy must not end. If it does, democracies around the world will be put at risk. We stand at a global moment, the survival of democracy itself. We must pass these laws for democracy to work for all of us. We face monumental challenges. Come learn what we must do to save democracy in our city and around the world. At Whittier City Hall on Saturday, August 7, 2021 at 10 a.m. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. So then, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that we might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him both of us have access to one spirit, to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, with Christ himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple to the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. We are a new humanity. 
by his sacrifice on the cross, Jesus overcame the hostility between us. Now, if we can only learn to live as citizens of the kingdom of God. Jesus not only put to death the hostility between Jewish and Gentile Christians, he reconciled all nations of the world to God. The author of Ephesians is not merely calling for unity within the church. Christ is the ruler over all things. Jesus came to proclaim peace to all the world. God created us to do good works, not so we might boast, but that we might be what God made us. The author reminds us of God's command to welcome the stranger and not oppress the resident alien, because the Israelites were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. These early Christians were also resident aliens, strangers to the law and refugees without hope. Ancient people valued citizenship. Not everyone could be a citizen. Women, slaves, and resident aliens could not become citizens. The Ephesians were without God because they were foreigners, forced from their homes. They had no place to worship their ancestors. Ancestor worship was common in the ancient world, and every household operated as a place of worship. National and city gods resided in their temples and could only be worshipped there. If a nation were conquered and the temple destroyed, the national gods were defeated. In the ancient world, things that happened in heaven have profound effects on the earth. The two realms are intertwined. The fate of nations and the authority of rulers comes from above. The author of Ephesians sets Jesus above every ruler, authority, power, lordship, and name. These words evoke images of earthly governance. When the author speaks of spiritual powers, he's thinking of their earthly representatives, kings and emperors with their armies and official powers. The Romans declared that Caesar owned all things. Whatever exists between Jupiter on high, Caesar possesses, for the emperor is the state. We human beings have a tendency to worship our leaders and institutions. In the empire, people are expected to worship the emperor as well as the state and city gods. Today, autocratic leaders and despotic regimes also require absolute loyalty. They encourage devotion to the party or leader, indoctrinate their people, and suppress dissent. Even in Western democracies, the leaders of our institutions and organizations demand loyalty, disseminate propaganda, and manipulate their followers. We treat our favored political candidates like saviors, and devotion to the state takes the form of nationalism, totalitarianism, 
and imperialism. People worship the powers. Countries that suppress religion often set up the state as the ultimate authority. Even in nations that profess to be ruled under God, there are many who worship things made with human hands. We worship idols. Ideology plays the same role as theology. Whether it's the church and its doctrines and creeds, or political ideology, or things we overvalue like wealth, power, and status, we all engage in religious devotion to people, ideas, and things. Yet now we have a new identity as citizens of the kingdom of God. We are citizens of a new body politic, one governed by the rule of love. Najay K. Gupta and Frederick J. Long, in their article, The Politics of Ephesians and the Empire, Accommodation or Resistance, point out that the author of Ephesians uses language of resistance in establishing an alternative political identity based not on territory or on ethnicity, but on belief. That belief took the form of monotheism with one king, one ruler, one God above all others. Gentile audiences would have been aware of the emperor's co-identification with the gods. They would have recognized the veiled reference in Ephesians 2.2 as referring to the emperor. Behind the emperor lay a spiritual force. In Ephesians chapter 6, the author tells us that our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Our enemies are not merely flesh and blood. They are spiritual as well. The point of Ephesians 6.12 is that we do not wrestle individually or merely against human beings or even in human terms. Instead, we are engaged in a cosmic struggle, an ideological and spiritual conflict with human rulers and authorities who are in league with the spirits of this world. Walter Wink describes these spiritual powers, whether they be angelic or demonic, as supranatural, meaning that they arise naturally from our social, cultural, and political institutions. Corporations, the church, and the state all have a culture or essence that is real and tangible. Wink calls it the gestalt of an institution, meaning that the organized whole is more than the sum of its parts. While ancient people believed in the supernatural, their experience of the powers and authorities were as real as peace and war. Ancient people experienced these spiritual powers as the cultural, social, and political forces embodied in their institutions, leaders, and the state. Walter Wink, in his trilogy on the powers, tells us that for ancient people, everything visible had an invisible or heavenly 
dimension. Spirit was at the core of everything. The whole universe was a spirit matter event, and the self was coextensive with the universe. We experience these forces in both their demonic and angelic forms when we suffer institutional violence or when we enjoy our governance benevolence. Institutions like the state, corporations, and the church can be both good and evil. It's up to us to resist their tendency towards evil and to lead them to what is right. Christ is the example. In our struggle against the powers and authorities, we put our bodies on the line. Many have lost their lives in the struggle, and we are called to give our lives in service to others to be what God made us. The armor of God is different than the armor of soldiers. Truth, justice, faith, peace, salvation, and spirit are the tools of nonviolence. In doing battle against the powers and authorities, we are to fight back in nonviolent yet powerful ways. The author of Ephesians uses the image of the, the dividing wall, which was the wall in the temple beyond which Gentiles were not allowed under penalty of death. The law which Jesus abolished by his martyrdom referred to Jewish cultural customs and practices like circumcision and dietary rules. Christ put an end to the cultural wars that divide us from those of other faiths, cultures, and lifestyles. By abolishing the law, Jesus broke down the hostility between us. These divisions include things like race, national origin, religion, and ideology. As Paul writes in Galatians, there is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, or male or female, for we are all one in Christ. According to Larry Seidentop in his book, Inventing the Individual, the Origins of Western Liberalism, this verse led to the development of the idea of the individual and to human and civil rights. Paul's position was radical. In a world where people worship the emperor and their national and city and family gods, Paul built a new nation, a new temple, a new dwelling place for God. In this new nation, foreigners, slaves, and women can all be citizens.
I recently hosted a Good Trouble prayer vigil honoring the legacy of John Lewis and calling for the Senate to pass voting rights legislation like the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act and the For the People Act. We met in Westwood at the Federal Building on July 17th, the anniversary of John Lewis's death. Two Los Angeles television stations covered the event, KTLA and KABC. As I told reporters, America is a democracy. Every citizen has the right to vote. The state may not withhold it without due process of law. The right to vote is a fundamental right. A person may lose their right to vote by committing a felony, but not for being unable to obtain a particular type of identification. Nor should it be made harder for people to vote. At the vigil, I gave a speech in prayer. I want to share it with you here. Our right to vote is sacred. It is a God-given right. God granted us free will and the right to govern ourselves. God established government when, in Genesis chapter 9, he gave humans the authority to punish the taking of human life. She delivered Israel from slavery. The people longed for self-determination and freedom from domination and occupation. God brings them to the promised land to make them a great nation so that other peoples would see what it means to rule under a just and living God. We come together today to be an angelic force, a force of light, the spirit of love to protect and defend our sacred right to vote, our God-given right to rule ourselves. Let us pray. Spirit, in Genesis chapter 2, we learn that you created a world where neither animal nor human needed to kill to survive. Then you gave us free will the right to run our own lives, to decide for ourselves. We then turned around and killed our brother, and we have not stopped killing ever since. You sent Jesus to teach us the way of life, paradoxically, by giving his life for our freedom. When he entered Jerusalem on a donkey, and protested the corrupt leaders of Israel by overturning the money changers' tables? He and his supporters were declaring that they had the right to nominate their own leader. Kings and emperors were not gods or sons of gods. They were illegitimate. Instead, Jesus, a peasant, a representative of the people, was the rightful leader of Israel. Now we face institutional and systemic evil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in high places. John Lewis, 
would have agreed. May his legacy be sustained, and may our enemies come to see that America, under God, is a democracy, and our right to vote is sacred. To deprive a fellow citizen, no matter their race or religion, the right to vote is not only un-American, it is an offense against God. Amen. This has been Bible Study for Progressives. If you enjoyed the program, please subscribe to our podcast or put us in your favorites and write a five-star review. Tell your friends about us and share us on social media. Follow us on Facebook and click the donate button at modernlectionaries.blogspot.com. Your support will help us reach more people, produce more and better shows, and cover the cost of production. Feel free to send me a note or comment on the show. I would love to hear from you. Until next time, this is Rich Proceda. Thank you for listening.